Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast. We're in a stunning location and we had a stunning finish to tonight's match of the World Cup. Australia beating New Zealand by only five runs here tonight. Uh, We had to wait 25 matches for a close game before last night's one-wicket win for South Africa over Pakistan. Then we had two in two. Another great match here tonight. My name is Josh Onafinger, joined at the HPCA Stadium in Dharmashala uh, by Louis Cameron. Louis? Great match of cricket. Yeah, absolutely cracking game, wasn't it? I mean, Australia's first close win in the tournament. There haven't been many overall, as you kind of mentioned. You can kind of look at it two ways. On the one hand, they get a really close win. We know they're probably going to make the semifinals now. And to get a tight win when, you know, things are a little bit tense, I think that can be really important, um, knowing you're probably going to need to win a semi or a final that's, that's tough in the clutch. Um, or you can kind of look at it in a slightly more negative way and think that maybe New Zealand probably shouldn't have got that close to beating Australia. Okay, well, let's look at the scores. Australia piled on 388 after a 175-run opening partnership between David Warner and Travis Head. Head, of course, he'd had that fractured hand, but he came back into the side for tonight's match and scored a brilliant 109 of 67 balls with 10 fours and seven sixes. But after he and Warner went out, uh, the innings lost a bit of momentum through the middle overs before Glenn Maxwell, Josh Inglis, and Pat Cummins, with 37 off only 14 balls, propelled them up to almost 400 runs. In reply, New Zealand started off a little bit tentatively, but then got going through Ratchin Ravindra, 116. How impressive was he, uh, New Zealand's new star? Daryl Mitchell and James Neesham also uh, chipped in with half centuries, and it looked like Jimmy Neesham was going to be the hero for the Black Caps at the end with a couple of sixes, but in the end, Australia held their nerve and... Uh, defended 19 off the last over to hold on by five runs almost 800 runs scored for the night Louis so uh, where do we begin with the recap of this one yeah so I think it was the highest scoring game in World Cup history just about and uh, New Zealand were five runs away from pulling off the biggest run chase in World Cup history they were it would have been the second biggest run chase of all time of course the famous 438 game 434 yep Uh, back in what year was that? that the was Lewis game, yeah. two thousand six. So only that one has a bigger chase uh, been overhauled. Gee, that's two Mick Lewis references in two podcasts. That's a good point. Yeah, I hope Mick's listening. Yeah, um, good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe one too many Mick Lewis. We probably won't be talking. You know, I, actually, every time the, something goes close to the four three four game, we're going to talk about Mick Lewis. So hello, Mick Lewis. Uh, I mean, Mick Lewis's death bowling might have come in handy at certain, certain parts of the night. You know, it was a it was a hard one to kind of get a gauge on. Like I kind of thought after Head and Warner, had, so let's go back to the start of the day. Head and Warner went absolutely, you know, ballistic at the start. Uh, Head's return from a broken hand could hardly have mm. gone better. 59 ball century. I kind of thought, well, they've read the conditions really well here. Like they've taken on the new ball. Uh, that's the best time to bat and it's only going to get harder from here. And, you know, whatever, even if they only kind of limped to, to mm. 320, which it kind of looked like they were after they went four for 74 and a 15 over block through the middle, kind of looked like they would only just get to that. 
Um, lo and behold, Pat Cummins hit four sixes. Josh Inglis batted beautifully, and so did Glenn Maxwell right at the end to lift him to a really high score. I thought that was way too much. So you know, mm. I was already writing the match report. Australia <laughs> cruised to a two or three hundred, maybe not three hundred. You know, a, a three-figure run yep. victory was what I was expecting, but um, the pitch didn't uh, get as bad. It didn't get as slow as I thought it would. It actually held up pretty well. The crowd brought everything to life. They were chanting that Ravindra's yep. name. Um, that was fantastic. And then Jimmy Neesham, you know, almost, you know, always the the kind of heartbroken one when you think back to the 2019 World Cup final, nearly got him over the line as well. We could dive into that final over um, if you like, Josh, after, you know, um, you know, that was that was really the probably the most interesting part of the game. It was. Well, do we want to start at the start because you mentioned right, that? All right, that's I'm jumping ahead. All yeah, right, let's got, go back to Travis. I've got a few things to mention there. The power play, none for 100 and 18, easily the biggest power play of the World Cup and the second biggest in World Cup history. In fact, Australia's first 10 overs went 8, 6, 22, 10, 14, 7, 19, 7, 15, and 10. And so they Sounds were... Sounds like a bingo reading, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yell at if you've got your numbers. Yeah, Keno um, Powerball type thing. It was, they do sound like lottery numbers. It, they do, they do. Sorry yeah. to <laughs> point out different things that they sound like. Continue with what you are saying. But it was just incredible. I, I thought Travis Head was going to come into this match and sort of take a while to find his feet. His net's form hasn't been great, as we've sort of mentioned over the last couple of days. But he came out and he was middling balls from the very first ball that he faced. I mean, it did help that he got a couple of free hits in Matt Henry's second over, which he... Cardinal sins, weren't they? Which he duly put away, though, mind you. Not just over the rope, but a long way over the fence as well. And uh, it, from that point on, it looked like he was just a shoe-in for a comeback century in his World Cup debut as well, no less. Well, what a way to bring up 100 in your very first World Cup game. Travis Head, his fourth one-day international century and probably none better than we've seen today. And really well helped by Warner. I mean, like it looked like he was kind of playing second fiddle at stage, but he was like, no, I'm, I'm going as well. He kind of overtook Warner ahead at different times. Um, he is kind of, I mean, under the radar, if you can nearly hit three consecutive centuries and go under the radar. Um, he obviously got the plaudits for the 161 he scored against Pakistan, but, um, you know, the, the 100 against the Netherlands got completely overshadowed by Glenn Maxwell hitting a 40-ball century. And then here he's been overshadowed by what was to follow with Head and Ravindra and Neesham. Uh, he's going as well as ever, and you know that's that's an important one going into the into the semis. Is this as well as Warner's ever batted? It's yeah, I, I reckon it is. Yeah, I reckon it is. Um, and we kind of spoke about where he ranks among best white ball players Australia have had. He's going beautifully. Uh, the middle order, maybe not so much. Um, I kind of have a bit of sympathy for him because I reckon New Zealand did bowl pretty well through that period. It looked like it was difficult to bat. I mean, Glenn Phillips kind of came on and turned the game, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Well. Australia were going at uh, over 10 runs and over when Phillips came in to the attack and he, he bowled his 10 over straight, uh, 3 for 37. Not bad for what some would consider a part-timer, while their frontline spinner, Mitch Sentner, took mm. 2 for 80 from his 10 and it looked like uh, Australia batters were really targeting him because he'd had such a good tournament to date. Today was a tough day for Santner. And, and this is where I reckon might, New Zealand would look back and think they might have lost this game and thought, you know, if we could have kept them to 340, even allowing for the fireworks at the end, um, I reckon if you go right back to the start, so Travis Head and Warren hit 
11 sixes in the first 13 overs. Uh, so, yep, they got off to a flyer. That happens sometimes. Matt Henry didn't come off today. He's been fantastic all tournament. You know, no, no real shade on him. Trent Bolt, normally a fantastic bowler. Lockie Ferguson does his Achilles, you know. Um, so that's, you know, all things that are kind of working against them. But then I think it was the seventh or eighth over, Tom Latham brings on Mitch Santner. And they got two left-handers going. And if you're a left-hander, you're going, oh, how good is this? I'm facing a guy with two fielders out in the boundary uh, and he's spinning the ball into me. At one stage, he bowled a, sl- a really loopy slow ball, Santner. This is a guy who's been tournament standout bowler uh, to Travis Head, really loopy delivery. And he had mid-on, mid-off up. That's not matching your ball to your field. That's just, you know, and so you talk about Henry's, um, yep, he overstepped a couple of times and, and uh, the free hits got hit for six. But for, you know, for Santa to do that, that was a cardinal sin and he shouldn't have been bowling in the first place in my book. Uh, Glenn Phillips should have been bowling those overs. We all know how big matchups are. Surely you bowl your off spinner to two left-handers. And it's not like his three for 37's come out of nowhere. This is a real rant, by the way. But, um, you know, he's, he's gotten Joe Root and a couple of other really good players out earlier in the tournament. Um, so he's no mug with the ball. And, and that's where I reckon New Zealand will kind of go, oh, well, yep, yep, we dropped five catches as well. But had our tactics been a little bit sharper, had we fielded a little bit better, you know, we could have won this game. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you mentioned the fielding. New Zealand came into this match with the best catching rate mm. of any team at the tournament. But today they put down five chances, some, you know, much tougher than others. Yeah. Um, but all chances at the end of the day. And we've seen well, them sort of hold those so far this tournament. Yeah, well, let's go through them. I mean, Santner went full length to his right. I mean, that if you take that, mm. yeah, you've done really well. So that's probably a, a pass mark. That was off Travis Head. Yep. Uh, and then another one off Head. I, I mean, it got hit really hard to Phillips mid-wicket. Still, like the ball gets hit hard in international career, especially you, when you're at mid wicket, exactly. Yeah, you need to catch that. So, I'm not letting him off there. Uh, and then Ravindra dropped a pretty simple one off Inglis on the leg side boundary. Yep. Um, and then Phillips dropped another one later, but you know, it would have been a Superman catch like the one he took at the SCG. There's one more in there that I'm trying to remember. Who yeah, dropped Man- that one. Manus was put down by Daryl Mitchell at That's third right. man. Yeah, he was on one at the time and went on to make 18. So it didn't cost New Zealand too many, but uncharacteristically sloppy from New Zealand. And it was sort of contrasted by the way that Australia finished with the field in the field, sorry, in the final over, which maybe now is a good time to talk about, Luke. Yeah, well, I mean, they weren't, yeah, exactly. They didn't have, I mean, they were pretty good up until about the 30 or 40 over mark, I reckon. Um, a couple of little misfields, but it is a patchy outfield. So you probably, probably give them, uh, you know, a pass mark there. Maxwell dropping Ravindra, a ball after he brought up a 77 delivery century was probably the easiest that went down of the night. Um, but yeah, let's get into the kind of the business end of the game. So, I mean, Manus Labuschagne was um, just, it's end, the balls end to be following him him everywhere there at the end. In the penultimate over, he put one down. Well, he didn't put it down. He, he caught it at long yeah. on, but he'd actually raced in for a, a, a six off, what would end up being a six off Trent Bolt of all people. Uh, do you remember it was Hazelwood bowling? Hazelwood that was bowling was it? Yeah. yeah. So he's run in. Uh, just a couple, you know, just a few steps and he going, oh, no, I need to backtrack here. And he took it, but he stepped on the rope as he did it. The fact he ran in in the first place, I reckon I might be wrong and I would have loved to have asked him if he'd, if he'd been put up after the game, but I reckon he ran in, at, you know, in Delhi. I reckon that's a catch that you take in front of you because you're not 1,500 metres above sea level, whereas when you're here, uh, that ball just travels and it probably takes a bit of getting used to. So he, he redeemed himself though, didn't he? 
you're in Mitch Marsh's train of thought that the balls travel further the higher the altitude you go? I'm pretty sure that's right, isn't it? I mean, that's the one – I'm thinking the Wanderers in uh, in South Africa, they always talk about that one, uh, the ball just goes further because they're higher up and higher above sea level. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you've never heard of that. Well, I've heard of it. I'm just not yeah. sure there's any science to back it up. But Oh, uh, mate, definitely science. Yeah, oh, I mean, okay. the air's thinner. Yeah, this is, a, this is a thing. If there are any scientists listening to the Unplayable podcast, any science teachers – if any of Josh's science teachers from um, him growing up in Wangaratta uh, listening, please email him because um, what's the email that they can get us on? <laughs> well, they can get us at unplayablepod at gmail.com. Okay, well, email in if you, if, you, um, if you can back that up, but I'm 99% sure. Okay, well, you've done a, a better job a of convincing me than Mitch Marsh did in, in an <laughs> earlier episode. You can, of course, go back and listen to that episode with Mitch Marsh if you do wish. Um, but, yeah, well, there were a couple of tough chances there at the end and um, Mitchell Stark had to bowl the last over. He had 19 runs to defend. It didn't start off too well because Trent Bolt got off strike with the first ball and then uh, he bowled five wides down the leg side to Nisham off the second. And all of a sudden things got a bit tense, but then he nailed a couple of Yorkers. Manus Labuschagne was in the game every ball following that uh, deep mid-wicket. And in the end, it was a pretty good throw in all in considering the circumstances to run out Nisham uh, with seven needed off two. And the stop on the leg side boundary, I think that was oh, yes. when they needed nine off three where he dives and no one, you know, not many people have dived today because it is, you know, the kind of ground where you could do a Simon Jones and dig your knee in and dislocate it. Uh, and made it, so made a great stop. That stopped a certain boundary. That kept it to seven off two. Yeah. And that's when he, um, Nisham hit it out to him again. Had the throw. It wasn't a perfect throw, but he had to kind of get it. It was more important to get it in quickly than to get it in accurately. Really good game awareness from him. Uh, and then Inglis was able to do a, a Joss Butler in the 2019 World Cup. This time it was Nisham diving, not Martin Guptill. <laughs> um, it was very reminiscent in the way both of them were diving towards the same kind of location. Travis Head was player of the match and, of course, he was out there for that final over. Why don't we listen to what he had to say about the nerves during that tense finish at Damashal? Yeah, I, pretty, I, was, I, was, I felt pretty confident still, but um, yeah, what a fixture. Um, nice to be involved in it. Um, very high scoring. Um, yeah, had a little sniff at the end there, but... Yeah, we held a nerve really, really well in a, in a high-pressure situation, so it was nice. All right, so it's uh, time for our moment of the day. And, Josh, you're so good at doing these um, ever since, you know, Qantas kind of dropped off for, for this one. Well, they didn't drop off, but, you know, there's some licensing things around World Cups and, you know, we don't have a sponsor, so we don't set it up, you know, by telling everyone about however many destinations they might or might not fly to. But, um, yeah, since we've kind of lost them, you're the moment of the day, man. Josh, moment of the day. What was it? Okay, well, the ball flew in this moment of the day, much like those aeroplanes, and it was Glenn Maxwell. He uh, was facing up to Mitchell Santner, and the Australian innings had been lulling a bit, crawling along at five runs and over. It's through those middle stages. But he got a ball from Santner, and he thought, I like the look of that. And he just took one step down the wicket. It wasn't a dance down the wicket. He just sort of strolled down the wicket very casually and lofted Sandler over long on, but not just a little way over long on. It landed on the roof of this media centre sort of grandstand pavilion here. Got to get him. Charges and set it a mile. Absolute mile on the roof. I've never seen one on the roof here. The one with the three turrets, if you were watching on TV. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's quite a stunning building, really. Um, very unique. And the broadcast said that it went 104 metres, which is the longest of the tournament so far. And we've had over 350 sixes at this tournament so far. So 
Well done, Maxi. If you haven't seen that six, by the way, go, go on to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app where you can see it. And it was stunning because it was sailing over our heads effectively. And the best part about it was you mentioned that he didn't charge down the wicket as he yeah. normally would. He just kind of jumped. He leapt almost into the place where he knew he Santa knew was going to bowl the ball and then stood there and waited for it. And that was where, you know, just landed exactly where he, where he knew it was going to go. And then next ball, rock right back and hit a six over deep mid wicket. Um, pretty classy stuff from Glenn Maxwell, who will be really important uh, when you look forward to their next game against England. So they've got a whole week off now, which is unusual in the context of the tournament. Um, I think some players might be staying back in Dharamsala. Some are going straight to Ahmedabad. We're going straight to Ahmedabad. Um, but we've got the Ashes rivals awaiting them. Well, we do. Quite the contrast. Just a three-day turnaround to this match and now I think a seven-day turnaround. November 4th is England in Ahmedabad. England also have India uh, before Australia. So two tough matches in a row for the English who desperately need a couple of wins to keep their faint hopes of a semi-final berth alive. What have you made of England's form so far from what you've seen just before we finish here? Baffling. Baffling. I can't believe they've... They're not in, you know, serious, uh, you know, uh, contention for this World Cup. Uh, a loss to India would probably, I mean, mathematically, it might not knock them out completely, but um, they just haven't looked anywhere near it. Um, you know, it could be the kind of danger game for Australia, whereas if they're completely out of it, uh, they could be a dangerous opponent. No doubt if it is a dead rubber, there'll still be plenty of spice between the two sides. So we can't wait for that one. Thanks for joining us. There's never us. been any spice between these two sides. I can't think of any recent memories of spice. No, nothing comes Josh. to mind, is it? No, but nothing. I'm just saying historically. Historically, yeah. You know, going much further back. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Unplayable Podcast. We'll chat to you all from Ahmedabad. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.